1: Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food, from politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM.
0: Hello. I'm Caroline Kenyon, and it's my enormous pleasure to welcome you to Bread and Butter, the show where we talk to all sorts of fascinating people doing all sorts of intriguing things in the world of food and drinks. And in fact, drinks is what we're going to chat about today, which is, I think, pretty ideal. It's quite a warm April day. Uh, I'm actually based in North Lincolnshire, but a London friend has told me it's going to reach 22 degrees. So welcome to Bread and Butter. Jack Scott you are one of two co-founders of Dash water
1: hi Caroline yes great great to be on and 22 degrees sounds like good conditions for selling soft drinks so that's music to my ears
0: absolutely I bet you look at the barometer quite closely
1: yeah no it is my um my dad's a farmer and he's always looking at the weather and I'm sort of t- turning into to him always uh, looking at the the week ahead um, and what the temperature is going to be.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, the scary thing is that you do always, I'm afraid, turn into the parent of the same gender. <laughs> There's no escape. I can hear myself no. saying things my mother used to say. So, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and Dash, um, Jack. So, you come yeah. from a farming background. So, so, sort of, I'm assuming that food and drink is pretty important to you and has been in your in your upbringing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I um, I, I do get. Do get it asked a bit sort of how i've come into food and drink and i think being around you know crops and agriculture growing up has really um, made me want to go into the world of, of food and drink i didn't necessarily want to go down the agricultural route um, but i've always sort of had a an eagle eye for for brands and um, how brands work so dash um, we started five years ago um, and dash is very simple it's just freshly sprung spring water um, infused with wonky fruit and it doesn't have any sugar or sweetener and comes in a a 330 mil aluminium can.
0: Well, it sounds like it's ticking lots of boxes, Jack, but I think you're being very modest. I think you've rather sort of um, compressed your journey to bringing this um, <laughs> lovely brand to market. And I mentioned that I was chatting to you, to your friend. She said, oh, I know their branding so well. And you've really made a sort of um, an impact on the market. So so tell me, you know, there you are growing up on your family farm. Where is the farm? Yep. Which part of the world?
1: <laughs> so we're, we're, we're in uh, Shropshire. Um, and it's, uh, an arable farm, um, Shropshire. I'm sure all of your listeners will, will know, but it's a beautiful, big, very rural county in the West Midlands. And, um, we grow wheat, potatoes, odd, odd seed rape, barley. Um, so quite a traditional arable farm. And then, um, in terms of me getting involved at, at home, we were always during the school holidays, doing various jobs for dad. Luckily, my little brother has now gone home to farm, so Dad hasn't been left by himself. Having had three boys, that wouldn't have been very fortunate. But so we used to spend a lot a lot of time um, helping Dad out in, 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 in the summer holidays and, and various different holidays throughout the year, which was which was great fun.
0: And so then having broken the tidings to your father that farming was not going to be your destiny, what, what did you take yourself off to do? Did you go to university? Did you go straight into the world of work? Did you think I'm gonna be an entrepreneur? What were all the thoughts going through your mind? Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. So I, from a very young age, I, I knew that I wanted to, to go into um, food, food and drink. Um, and then, so once I left um, uh, Bristol University, I then spoke to a couple of sort of entrepreneurs in the food and drink, uh, world. That's um, interesting. Which, Who did you chat to? So one of which was a chap called William Kendall, um, yes, who's a I very, know
0: Bill, yes.
1: very successful entrepreneur in food and drink and actually a farmer as well. So we had a very good chat about, you know, agriculture and then how, you know, I didn't necessarily want to go down the traditional route, but did want to get involved in, in food and drink. So he, at the time, had um, just started with a couple of others, Causton Press. And I then worked for Causton Press for three in, three years um, on the sales team there. And that's where I met my my current, um, well, my co-founder, Alex.
0: How fortuitous. And did you both can recognise pretty quickly that you wanted to start your own brand together.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, Corsten was a, a fantastic brand and went through, you know, tremendous growth while we were there. And we were given brilliant experience throughout the business. Um, and then also during that time, we were obviously out looking at the market and the drinks world, and we saw that there was this gap in the market um, in the UK for a, a great tasting drink that didn't have any sugar or sweetener. So that's when Alex and I um, started to, to look um, at that space. Um, and then we started looking into how we would sort of bring that to market. And when the idea of using wonky fruit came about when we were speaking to farmers about um, buying fruit off them um, and realized that there was you know a real issue at farm level with uh, lots of fruit being rejected by supermarkets due to the way that they looked so sorry I've i've jumped forward a little bit there but um we while working at causton we met and saw that there was an opportunity and then once we had left causton press it took us around two years to launch Dash into Selfridges. So it was quite a long, long process to, to get it to market to how uh, how we wanted it to look and how we wanted yeah. it to taste.
0: That's so, that's so interesting, uh, Jack. And there's lots of questions I want to ask you about various different things. But uh, tell me, did you, did you have a backer at that point? Did you Were you self-funding? How did you get the thing off the ground?
1: Yeah, it's a good question because in soft drinks, um, The the barriers to entry are quite high, so the aluminium minimum order quantities was around 120,000 per flavour to print on cans. So we would tried to do it at a very small scale, but it proved to be very difficult Um, and we had many an occasion where we tried to use a mobile canning unit, which is often used in, in uh, breweries um, to can a small amount of, of liquid. Um, so we found that you know if we were to do it properly, we needed to have some investment um, at that early stage to um, invest in the brand, the look and the feel, and to obviously make the first production run. And we raised um, some money off uh, friends and family. Um, which got us to a point where we could then, you know, start speaking to other angels um, who had been through the process before um, and we could draw upon their experience. So we've got some fantastic investors at Dash, including the founders of Sipsmith, so Sam Goldsworth and Fairfax Hall. We've got Logan Plants, who's the Beaver Town Brewery um, founder um, other people such as John Ayton who started Links of London, um, so we've got all people that we thought could really add value um, to our journey. Another Fiji Water, a Fiji Water director, so they've been, you know, instrumental in our, in our, in our growth and really helping us get through those different sort of barriers, I suppose.
0: Well, congratulations, because that's a pretty stellar lineup of backers and uh, you must have delivered an incredibly good pitch that was compelling to to bring those kind of names on board because they get approached 100 times a day, I should think. So well done. That must have been such a boost to your confidence.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It, It is. And, you know, we often get asked now how, you know, how you shouldn't approach those those people but I would really tell people to um, reach you know reach for the stars and if you can um, get the right introduction there's always that opportunity to have a coffee or have a zoom with um, most people within food and drink who you know are looking for you know the next good great brand, and you know they want to be part of that journey so if you can communicate and get that meeting in and have the right proposition for them then you know it it is something that they they're looking for.
0: Absolutely I completely agree I think I think uh, all the nice people are really open to those kind of approaches and then the nasty ones you don't want to deal with anyway so that's fine (laughs) they can go off and be nasty. (laughs) So um, it took you two years to get into Selfridges so I mean Selfridges I know regards itself as quite a patron of of new food and drink brands, so that also must have taken quite a lot of persuasion.
1: Yes, exactly. So it, it, it didn't sort of t- it didn't sort of take us, I suppose, two years to get into Selfridges, but it's it, it um, we it took us to, to develop the brand and to create you know the proposition um, of Dash. It took us a lot longer than we than we expected. But you're right to get to have your first listing of Selfridges. Um, we thought it you know would be the perfect sort of uh, launch partner. Um, again, they, they are looking for brands that um, you, you know do offer something different. So they are on the, the lookout. So it's about bringing them on the journey. Um, I think that's what we we did well on is that the buyer that we spoke to there, we were keen to not just approach when we wanted to to launch with them. But bring them along the journey from an earlier stage of, of development and make them feel part of the journey, which meant that, you know, when we came to to her with the final um, product, um, she felt invested and much more likely to to put it on her um, sought-after shelves. So it was a it was a great it was a great first listing for us, which gave us the springboard to then have conversations with other, you know, speciality stores, um, luxury retail, and then go on to places like Whole Foods, Planet Organic, as nature intended, which was also an important part of our our growth and building out, you know, the brand equity in, in the correct places.
0: Absolutely. So t- tell me how you've you've grown your brand awareness. Have you advertised? Have you done it all through social media? Have you used ambassadors? What kind of approach have you taken?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So to begin with, it was, it was certainly, we built the brand in quite a traditional way within soft drinks. So we, Alex and I both obviously came from a sales background. So we would have a list of, you know, the coolest spots in London. So a list of, you know, five or 600 and that included, you know, in independent delis, coffee shops, boutique gyms, um, speciality stores. Um, so we would make it our mission to get Dash into all of those places around town and those what we call beacon accounts. So those are the accounts that other stores are looking at and will often you know, want to stock you as well. So that was an important part of building the brand awareness in the early days. So distribution, I suppose, is where we've focused on as a brand and getting giving people the opportunity to, to see it and then to try it. Um, we're so lucky in food and drink that, you know, the product on shelf is obviously great advertising. Um, so if you can get it into the right places and the right people drinking it at the right time, that does an awful lot. And that's what I would say to, you know, start up brands to not forget, forget that and perhaps you know, refocus on that rather than spending more time on having a very sort of polished um, Instagram feed, for, for instance, um, which obviously, you know, social media and paid social now is a very important part of our, of our brand. But to begin with, I would say that, you know, getting it on shelf really helped us um, build the brand um, and obviously bring revenue into the business.
0: That's so interesting, because one of the things that I've noticed over the last few years, and I think is you know it's it's a, a symptom of all sorts of things, the B word, otherwise known as Brexit, COVID, hitting supply chains, and now the cost of living crisis, is that actually choice is getting less on the shelf. And I just wonder whether that's something that's been impacting you or you know that you're finding clever ways around it, or is it something that's not so relevant in the drink sector? Is it more applicable in food?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's no, it's an interesting observation. I think supermarkets are, are you know, what we've heard is that they are trying to bring down the number of SKUs um, that they are selling, and then as a smaller as a smaller brand, you know, we've always looked at different ways in which we can get our product to consumer. So now over 40% of our our mix, our sales mix is from our direct to consumer business, which is our website, which is very sort of unconventional within sort of traditional soft drinks. So that's people buying Dash um, on our website and half of those people are on a subscribe and save um model where you know you would get your delivery bi-weekly or monthly um so there are you know ways in which you can be you know more agile and bypass the sort of traditional retail um another channel for instance which is very good for us is amazon so with it being a heavier product um you know people tend to sort of over index online when purchasing heavier products so Amazon is a channel that we we concentrate on heavily as well which has been which has been very good for our for our growth and getting the product out there
0: yes no that that makes complete sense and this the kind of subscription model in food is becoming really a thing isn't it I think uh, I had a subscription a fortnightly subscription to an oat milk during the first year of lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to say, I did accumulate quite a sort of collection of boxes of oat milk, which I couldn't keep pace with. So I, I, I stopped it um, just because I need to sort of catch up with what I had. But it, it, it makes sense. We're so time pressed now, aren't we? We just think, oh well, our, you know, my dash delivery is going to come, come what may. That's that's a, a, something ticked off the list, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it, it's got to be the right type of products, You're right. So. I think we're fortunate that with dash you can drink as many as you like throughout the day you you wouldn't get a subscription of of tonic water or energy drinks or fruit covenants drinks um because those you know may be more a bit impulsive or um whereas you know sparkling water is is a habit you know it's it's a relatively good habit to get into um well you know, there's a lot worse things that you could be doing. Um, so, having that cold, cold can of of sparkling water to enable you to, you know, drink more water and have a bit of excitement throughout the, the day, um, we've seen as has worked well with our with our customers.
0: Yes, I mean, it seems like a, a sort of very, very nice and very healthy treat. I mean, we all need little treats, don't we?
1: No, absolutely.
0: So tell me about your plans for expansion, Jack, because I can't imagine that you're going to, uh, you and Alex are going to let the grass grow under your feet. I believe you're exporting already?
1: Yes, no, we, we are. We're definitely exporting um, actually really excitingly. We've just come back from Australia where we locally produce in Melbourne as well. So um, we use local wonky fruit, all from Australia using spring water um, from Victoria. So that's really exciting. and We've just launched in there two major supermarkets over in Australia. So um, building a a small team over there and looking to replicate what we've done here in the UK to be, you know, the number one uh, seltzer brand, um, you know, in a category that's really growing. And um, we're excited to be, you know, the number one brand here in the UK and we want to replicate that over in Australia. So that's something that's high on the priority list at the moment, which is super exciting.
0: That is indeed very exciting. And how about America? I know, you know, singers always want to break America. How about soft drinks?
1: Yeah, well, it would be sparkling water, our style of drink in the US is is absolutely huge. And um, I think, that would be something in the future that we would like to explore. However, there are, it's, it is a very, I I don't like to use the word saturated, but it's a very competitive market out there within our category, um, with lots of brilliant, brilliant brands. So we don't feel it potentially as, as fertile, um, as other areas to begin with and would need a lot of, uh, capital, upfront capital for us to have a, a good um, stab at at the US. So perhaps that would be something for a bit later on in a, in our journey. But I, I I would love to to do the US um, at, at some point in the future.
0: It would be quite an adventure, wouldn't it? So and, and tell me how much do you make of your Britishness when you're talking to uh, countries around the world about your brand? Is that something you play? Yeah, on? it's it's a,
1: it's a good point. Um, I think. I think, um, say for Australia, for us to work out there, it was very important that we would. It was, you know, made in Australia, so the British part is is nothing to do with with it. So I think it depends on on the market. Um, I think more and more people want more local products from a sustainable mindset, and um, so it's it's about making sure that you are talking about the right things in particular markets so when you know in Norway they have you know fantastic spring water and different things so you see so you, so you have to be careful so to answer to your question we don't necessarily talk about the Britishness too much um, in in other markets
0: no that's that's fascinating and is that the 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 thing that, that struck me when you were talking at the beginning of our chat was um, the fact that there's got no sugar in it. Now, to me, that's immediately really attractive because I gave up sugar about uh, nearly seven years ago, I think. I mean, I I have to say the one thing that I haven't given up is alcohol and I drink modestly yeah. just to reassure you, but I, I would feel really <laughs> sad if I could not have a nice glass of wine on a Friday evening, um, but yeah. I don't eat any biscuits chocolate cake or anything like that and i just feel so much better for it and i do scan ingredients quite carefully you know if i was was going to buy a little snack because i'm traveling and i need a energy boost i check to see it's got no sugar in so I, i know there's there's a lot of people like me now aren't there that you know regard sugar as a bit of a poison
1: yeah no absolutely and you know we we we've seen that um you know you We've been taught by, you know, very successful large soft drinks companies that you know you need a level of sweetness when you have a, a soft drink, and we're trying to disrupt that. And we believe that people's palates are becoming more sophisticated um, and don't don't need that level of sweetness. So for us, you know, sugar is really important. Um, you know, there's 30 grams of, of, of sugar in a, a can of coke um, and there's none in, in DASH. But also the next thing for us is sweeteners. So we think aspartame is, is the devil and we don't think that artificial or natural sweeteners are good uh, for people. Um, because you're playing tricks on your body you're saying to your body that you're going to get sugar from that sweetness, but you're not. So you're playing tricks with your insulin levels. So we're big on no sugar and we're big on no sweetener. Um, and we, you know, we hopefully have proven that you can have a great tasting drink without either of those. Um, so the education on that has been really important. Um, so getting out and speaking to people and sampling the product, um, has been, you know, really important for our, our growth.
0: I think the word education is, is key because like, you can completely re-educate your palate.
1: When you have a cup of tea and you, you, um, weaned yourself off, um, sugar for, for the, for the first bit. um, you know, it's quite tastes quite doesn't taste very nice, but, and then slowly over time, you, you, you really wouldn't want sugar in your in your tea, and we've you know seen seen that with with Dash. When people first try it, they might think, "Oh, you know that isn't quite sweet enough." But then you you really grow into it, and um, you then wouldn't want a, a normal sugary soft drink. That's what we found, anyway.
0: Exactly. No, I completely agree. So tell me, Jack. We're just sadly coming to the end of our time um, talking together. If if you're going to come back on Food FM in five to ten years time, what exciting news would you dream of sharing with us? Where would you like to see
1: oh, wow. your, your yeah, baby? Yeah, so we've been yeah we've been going for five years, so we believe we're just we're just getting going. We've got an amazing team here in London. We're a small team of sixteen, and I would love Dash to firstly be a, a, a real sort of household brand and really disrupt in a major way the, the soft drinks world. I think that then brings further weight to our mission celebrating wonky fruit, so really shining a light on on, on the issue of, of food waste in the UK, both at, at farm level and throughout the supply chain. So I would like to be making a real difference within in food waste, but also um, creating a, you know, a really iconic British uh, drinks brand that, you know, that does business in in the right way, and um, is become, you know, a staple within uh, the households across the UK.
0: Sounds like very laudable ambitions to me, Jack. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Thanks, Caroline. Great to chat. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.